Hello and welcome back to the Ascent Cycling Podcast for the daily recap number five following today's time trial between Changer and Laval. A time trial, Daiso Slovenian win for the first time on the Tour de France, probably not the last, with Tadej Pogacar taking the honors ahead of European champion Stefan Kung and Jonas Engergaard for Jan Bovisma. I am today joined by Mr. Timsorski. Joe, how are you today? Very well, thank you, Guillaume. How are you? I'm very fine. Uh, probably a bit better than Stefan Kung, who looked uh, somewhat depressed after seeing uh, the absolute annihilation done by the leader of UAT Emirates. Uh, I, I expected a good time trial from Tadej Pogacar today, but I did not expect anything near that. That was something out of this world. The man has to be from another planet because when he's going up against these pure time trialists, Wout van Aert, Stefan Kung, and blowing them out of the water like he did today, and then going to the mountains and being the best rider at the Tour de France, which I'm sure he will do in a, a couple of stages in the next week or so. Um, it's uh, it's just hard to believe and hard to get your head around. But um, yeah, Tadej Pogacar just affirming that he is the clear favourite now to win this Tour de France, I think. I oh, know he is. He is 100%. And I think um, one of the points you mentioned is that he managed to be- defeat some pure time trialists. And I think the first, from the kilometre zero to the first intermediate, you had quite a few complete riders uh, or stage races uh, doing well. You had like the likes of Nielsen Paulus at one point uh, being in the same time as Villiers as like the, um, the Michael Bieg who led for quite a while. Uh, but usually from the first till the second uh, intermediate time, it was purely for the time trialist. And only one rider was able to gain time on Stefan Kung. And that was Tadej Pogacar putting seven seconds on that um, well, on that gap to, uh, to the Swiss rider. And that was definitely not something I expected. Um, I mean, I knew Tadej would do well I did not think he was going to win a flat time trial and I did not think at all that he would defeat it or win it by such, such a mile. Like, this was easy for him. He slaps 30 seconds on what Van Aert, who was your favourite for today. He slaps 45 seconds on Primo Roglic, who, granted, was mummified at the start of the stage, mm-hmm. but he's still out there. Uh, yeah, like, Alaphilippe did a decent time trial, 111, Gary Thomas, 118, Richard Carapaz, 144. Uh, a lot of the GC riders are basically already a minute down on Tadej Pogacar following today's stage, and we are yet to have a single second category climb in this whole course. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. what can we say? He's the favourite. He looks unbelievable. He looks better than last year. I would even go as far as saying he's just the complete GC rider. He's uh, an unbelievable sprinter for a GC rider, an unbelievable time trialist for any type of rider, and probably the best climber in the world as well. So uh, yeah, Tadej Pogacar, 22 years old. I think the question is, already becoming how much is he going to win the Tour de France by and how many Tour de France is he going to win in his career as well. He's uh, he's a god. He's literally a god from another planet. But he's not in the yellow jersey. And that was because we saw an unbelievable defence from a rider not known for being a time trial specialist at all. And that is Matthew van der Poel. Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know what's more surprising today. Tadej Pogacar destroying the field of Matthew finishing in the same second as well Van Aert. Mathieu van Eppel finished in the same second as the runner-up of last year's Time Trial World Championships. And I don't think anyone had seen that coming. Uh, the, the, I mean, Mathieu didn't have a lot of, uh, of results when it comes to, to the solo effort. And I think he said on Twitter that he worked with his entire team until midnight 1am to try and gain the, the, the smallest of margins in his position. And he gave it everything he had. I think Wout van Aert was the one saying that for the first time in his life, Mathieu van Eppel gave everything he had on today's time trial to try and defend that yellow jersey very close to his heart, obviously, because we've mentioned in the previous episodes that this is a great, 
great gesture to like vraiment Pulidor, obviously his grandfather who never had the yellow jersey and his defense today was just incredible you know that he had the strength of his grandfather in his legs he did yeah and I, I don't think he's ever ridden a time trial this long in his professional career especially not in, in a in a big world tour race as well um in my preview for the stage i wrote that he's the magician of the peloton but it would take a really special performance for him to hold on to the yellow. I gave him no chance of holding yellow today at the beginning of the stage. I thought, you know, Wout van Aert, 30 seconds behind, like you said, second in the World Champs time trial. There was Pogaccia just behind, Alaphilippe, who, who won a time trial at the Tour two years ago as well. I thought he had no chance, but um, yeah, what a performance by Van der Poel. And uh, I think for me, that was even more shocking than what we saw from uh, Tale Pogaccia today. It definitely was on par with it. Uh, when we take a look at the rest of the top 10 today, we've got Kasper Asgren in P6, Primo Roglic, Mata Cataneo, Richie Porte and Alexei Lutsenko. Um, has to be mentioned, Denmark is building an absolute armada when it comes to the time trial aspect. Uh, I know there's no nation team time trial, but I said on Twitter, I don't think there's a single nation today that could come close to Denmark when it comes to a team time trial. Some people said Belgium. I don't see it. I mean, Jonas Vingegaard today managed to get P3 from a time trial that was so purely for the time trialist, unbelievable performance by the co-leader of Jan Bovesma, who is now ahead of Primoz Roglic in the GC. And once again, we're going to come back to that question of, was it a wise decision to bring him back when Primoz had his incident on stage three? I still don't think it was, um, because, I mean, Jonas Vingegaard could be right now a minute ahead of Primoz Roglic. Mm, yeah, I think some people said he crashed as well on that stage, but I didn't see him crash, so I'm not sure exactly what happened there. Anyway, Vingegaard did lose that time, um, but still, he's a genuine GC option for them, and I'd love to see him really given the chance to be that co-leader. Maybe he could attack on stage seven coming up, which is a hilly stage, uh, because, you know, Pogaccia can't follow everything. We saw at the Zulia Basque Country Tour, where Primoz Roglic and Jumbo Visma did win, the way to beat Tade is with numbers. And they had Vingegaard there marking Tade. And uh, he attacks, he gained time. Then Primoz attacks and Pogaccia just can't follow everything by himself. So um, I really hope they try and uh, use that tactic here at the Tour de France with the owner's Vingegaard. And even Wout van Aert, who still is third place in the GC, even though he missed his goal of going into yellow today. And I think the tactic you've mentioned is a tactic that Ineos might try to uh, to employ as well because a lot of their riders did take the time trial rather rather smoothly. Castroviero losing more than five minutes, Michal Kutkowski more than five minutes, uh, which, I mean, I, I do have a question following, following um, this statement. A lot of riders from Yombo did try to do the time trial at the max of their ability. And yeah. by that, I do mean Sepkus, for example, went completely ham in that time trial um, just I mean, to, to get absolutely battered by Pogacar, but then again, a lot of riders today, I mean, everyone got battered by Pogacar. But was it wise for Sepkus to try and push him to the limit to lose two minutes to Dante Pogacar? I don't think so. Definitely wasn't. And for a rider called Brandon McNulty, it wasn't so wise either. I know McNulty maybe has more of a chance of challenging for the stage than Sepkus, but um, we saw him crash and we saw his knees bloody. Uh, by the end of the time trial. I think he finished well over five minutes down on Tade, maybe over six or seven minutes as well. Um, and that's a really poor decision in the end. You have to say in the wet conditions, he was pushing it. And now a key ally of Pogaccia is down and perhaps going to be hampered as well. Absolutely. He's actually lost seven minutes. And I think he crashed in the first three stages as well, Brandon McNulty. So a tough start of the Tour de France for the American rider who finished 
bottom last today, one minute ahead of the um, of the out of the delays time. Um, but yeah, not the wisest decision by the Americans. Uh, however, EF for an American team did very well today. Uh, a lot of riders trying to uh, to showcase their abilities. One rider who is going to be extremely disappointed today, or rather angry at the weather gods, Stefan Bessega, uh, who started his time trial as the rain began to pour down and the rain ended when he finished his time trial. Uh, one massive scary moment for the Swiss, Ooh. but mainly a very, very bad time at the end because of the weather. Yeah, just purely unlucky for Stefan, you have to say, the, the mushroom helmet himself, it, really unlucky. He probably would have been right up there, I think, had he had just half an hour either way in the start in the start time. So really unlucky for him. Um, another rider there in the GC I want to give a quick shout out to is Pierre Latour, who is now sixth place overall. Um, he's been very consistent so, so far this Tour de France at Latour. Um, a pun I use my own Velo Games team name, which is uh, very poor, but I did want to give it a little, little shout out there. Um, but yeah, Latour, he he was the white jersey, I think, a few years ago at the Tour de France and hasn't really done anything since. So um, it's good to see him back up there early on and hopefully he can maybe hang on for a top 10, which I think would be a really good result for him. I think he will. I think that's probably his aim. Uh, he's now 27. He's a two-time um, time trial champion in France. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, ever since his breakthrough, uh, I believe in 2016, on um on the Vuelta, he, he never really followed up with anything. Um, so yeah, now that he's moved, he's changed team, he's in a new environment with Total Energy, and I think he's got every card in his book. Uh, he's the second French finisher today, just behind Julien Lafilippe, who uh, could not try and uh, get the yellow jersey back. He finishes in P14. GC-wise, what does that mean? Then sure, Mathieu Van Apple is still in the yellow, ahead of Pogacar, Van Aert, Alaphilippe, Alexey Lutsenko in P5, leading Astana, uh, we'll see what happens to uh, to the Kazakh. Is he going to try and get absolutely dropped? Or is he going to try and potentially go for some stages or go for the GC? Who knows? I mean, it's an Astana team without Fulsang going for the GC. So there is a chance there. Then Pierre Latour, Rigo Uran, very solid time, time trial again, once again for the uh, Colombian. Jonas Vingegaard, Richard Carapaz, and wrapping up the top 10 is Primoz Roglic, 1 minute and 40 seconds behind Tadej Pogacar. Yeah, and the big loser in the GC for me, a rider who slid out of the top 10, Wilco Kelderman, really poor time trial from him today for a rider who has shown that he's uh, he's very capable in the discipline before. He's now almost two minutes down on Tade after showing some good good legs as well earlier on in the race. Looking ahead then to stage six now of the Tour de France, heading into Chateau, which is really a prominent location because Mark Cavendish won his first Tour de France stage in this city he won his another stage here as well in 2011 but 2008 was his first win here so it's going to be another sprint finish it's a sprint finish mark cavendish knows very very well we do have a single kom um, and an intermediate sprint as well but bar those little moments of minor excitement it's going to be all about the mass sprint finish i think tomorrow guillaume it is it is going to be and uh, you've mentioned that mark cavendish won twice in chateau there's actually only been two times uh, that the Tour de France finished in Châteauroux in the 21st century. Both times were won by Marc Cavendish. And there is a saying in France, which is jamais 203, uh, which translates to never two without a third. So I'm going to jump right ahead for the prediction. Marc Cavendish to get a second win on this Tour de France after the win in Fougères to make it three in a row in Châteauroux and retain his lead in the green jersey. 
I like it. And I like it a lot because uh, he's my pick as well. I think uh, after what we saw on stage four, um, he looks like the best sprinter here, to be honest. And he won that stage without Michael Morcow being there to drop him off 100 metres from the line. He won it by himself. So um, I think we can expect Morcow and Tukernik to really be at the fore, you know, like they weren't on stage four in the final few hundred metres. Um, and yeah, Cavendish, I think, will win again. The only other rider I considered going for was Wout Van Aert, who hasn't sprinted so far at this Tour de France, but he did say after today's time trial, he is going to be back at the front trying to fight out for a sprint. So um, I'll be keeping my eyes on Wout Van Aert as well tomorrow. And I'm going to really be quite upset if he does win the stage. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll stick with uh, Mark Cavendish to uh, be my pick. Uh, I did say that Jumbo would take consecutive L's on this Tour de France, and I think we're going to stay that way. Wout van Aert will most likely get P6 tomorrow. One rider I do want to mention is Arnaud Demar, because he's had an absolute howler of a Tour de France so far, crashing, obviously, between Lorient and Pontivy on stage 3, and on stage 4, getting absolutely bullied by Nasser Boigny, who saw the FDJ train and thought, that's my former team, you're going to get out of it, and you'll finish P46. <laughs> This is, I mean, it's it's a six-kilometer straight line for the finish, all right? If so, if you get bullied out of this, you do not deserve to be a sprinter. So Arnaud Demar tomorrow will try and get something. It's going to be P2 for Arnaud Demar. And in P3 is going to be a rider from Alpes and Phoenix, whether it'll be Tim Malia, Jasper Philipson, Christian Sbaragli, or Mathieu van der Voel, I'm not so sure, but I think I'll back Tim Malia. Fair enough, all right. I, uh, I think I'll go for the villain, uh, Nassi Buani, to be a P3. Um, two podiums already, by the way, this Tour de France for Buani. Really good tour for him so far, only missing that win, um, which really came out of nowhere for me. And I will go for, for Wout van Aert to be second place behind Cavendish. But that, nevertheless, is going to wrap up our predictions and daily recap of today's State of the Tour de France. We do hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, then please do make sure to subscribe and leave a like if you're listening over on YouTube. If you're listening on your respective streaming platforms, make sure to give the Ascent Cycling Podcast a follow but we will see you tomorrow for stage recap number six of the Tour de France. Joe, do you have a final word for it? Number 32 for the Manx Missile. Mark de Number is going to win. See ya. Au revoir. Ooh.